0: This is Optimal Startup Daily, episode 772, The End of the Job Interview, by Seth Godin of Seths.blog. And I'm Dan, your host, and I'm here with you every single day of the week, including weekends and holidays. And let's get you right into the post from Seth Godin now as we optimize your life. The End of the Job Interview, by Seth Godin of Seths.blog. Let's assert that there are two kinds of jobs you need to fill. The first kind of job is a cog job, a job where you need someone to perform a measurable task and follow instructions. This can range from stuffing envelopes to performing blood tests. It's a profitable task if the person is productive and you need to find a reliable, skilled person to do what you need. The second kind of job requires insight and creativity. This job relies on someone doing something you could never imagine in advance, producing outcomes better than you had hoped for. This might include a sales job or someone rearranging the factory floor to increase productivity. It could also include a skilled craftsperson or even a particularly skilled receptionist. If you're hiring for the first kind of job, exactly why are you sitting a nervous candidate down in your office and asking her to put on some sort of demonstration in her ability to interact with strangers under pressure? Why do you care what his suit looks like or whether or not he can look you in the eye? Years ago, in order to keep the ethnic balance at Harvard the way some trustees felt was correct, the school created interviews and essays as a not so subtle way to weed out the undesirables. This spread to just about every college in the country and persists to this day, even though it's a largely discredited way to determine anything. Your company is probably doing exactly the same thing. If someone can do the cog job, what other information are you looking for? Why? And if you're hiring for the second kind of job, The question becomes even more interesting. Would you marry someone based on a one-hour interview in a singles bar? And how does repeating the forced awkwardness of an interview across your entire team help you choose which people are going to do the extraordinary work you're banking on? I've been to thousands of job interviews, thankfully, as an interviewer mostly, and I have come to the conclusion that the entire effort is a waste of time. At least half the interview finds the interviewer giving an unplanned and not very good overview of what the applicant should expect from this job. Unlike most of the marketing communications the organization does, this spiel is unvetted, unnatural, and unmeasured. No one has ever sat down and said, when we say X, is it likely the applicant understands what we mean? Are we putting our best foot forward? Does it make it more likely that the right people will want to work here for the right reasons? Tell the truth. Do you test your job interview spiel the same way you test your web results or even your direct mail? The other half is dedicated to figuring out whether the applicant is good at job interviews or not. I should have learned this lesson in 1981 when my partner and I and three of our managers hired Susan, who was perhaps the best interviewer I've ever met and one of the worst employees we ever hired. Too bad we didn't have a division that sold interviews. Let me be clear about what I'm recommending. The next time someone asks you to sit in on an interview, just say no, don't do it. Don't waste your time or theirs. So what should you do instead? Glad you asked. First, none of this will work if you're not offering a great job at a great company for fair pay. These techniques will not succeed if you are the employer of last resort. Assuming that's not the case, how about this? Every applicant gets a guided tour of your story, maybe from a website or lens or DVD, maybe from one person in your organization who is really good at this. It might mean a plant tour or watching an interview with the CEO, It might involve spending an hour sitting in one of your stores or following one of your doctors around on her rounds, but it's a measurable event, something you can evaluate after the process is over. If you're hiring more than a few people a week, clearly it's worth having a full-time person to do this task and do it well. There are no one-on-one, sit in my office and let's talk interviews. Boom, you just saved seven hours per interview. Instead, spend those seven hours actually doing the work. Put the person on a team and have a brainstorming session, or design a widget, or make some espressos together. If you want to hire a copywriter, do some copywriting. Send back some edits and see how they're received. If the person is really great, hire them for a weekend. Pay them to spend another 20 hours pushing their way through something. Get them involved with the people they'll actually be working with and find out how it goes. Not just the outcomes, but the process. Does their behavior and insight change the game for the better? If they want to be in sales, Go on a sales call with them. Not a trial run, but a real one. If they want to be a rabbi, have them give a sermon or visit a hospital. Yes, people change after you hire them, they always do. But do they change more after an unrealistic office interview or after you've actually watched them get in the cage and tame a lion? You just listened to the post titled The End of the Job Interview by Seth Godin of Seth's.blog. When it comes to hiring, And thank you so much to Seth, who is a super popular writer with 19 best-selling books. He's also the creator of Alt-MBA, which is an online leadership and management workshop. Alt-MBA uses digital tools to engage with small groups of 120 students in an intense four-week process. It's been going on since 2015, and it has transformed the lives of more than 4,500 people in more than 70 countries. And a little more about Seth, he has been writing daily on his blog for over a decade now. More than 60,000 people have taken his online courses, and he's got five TED Talks, so his site is definitely worth checking out. You can see his blog there, of course, but also his books, podcasts, speaking engagements, and so much more, all there on his site, which again is Seths.blog. And that is it for another episode of OSD. I thank you, as always, for being here and uh, for following or subscribing, depending on your podcast app. That is, of course, how we keep this going for you. So, hope you enjoyed the post from Seth, and I'll be back again with another one tomorrow, where your optimal life awaits.